Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Adrian Barnard and Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about African talent and ask why it hasn't brought the continent success at the World Cup. African players have been praised for their natural talent for many, many years. We'll hear from a goalkeeper from Britain who played in South Africa for many years and has just come here to Zimbabwe. I mean, I played with the likes of Wayne Rooney in England and the technical ability of the players here in Africa, Zim, South Africa, surpasses his ability. Um, the difference is, is football education. And also we finish Stuart's series on 25 years of the English Premier League. He looks at the celebrity status of players and how the English Premier League has become less and less English. In the first season of the Premier League, 92-93, 70% of starts were made by players qualified to play for England. By 2013, this had fallen to 32 Plus reflections on another breathtaking week in the UEFA Champions League. So we're starting now to look forward to the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia. And good news for Africa is that FIFA will advance $2 million in prize money to each of the five African teams going to the World Cup. That's Egypt, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal and Tunisia. Given the history of problems and poor organisation in the preparations for some African World Cup representatives, this surely is great news. There have been disputes over payments at previous tournaments and it's been an embarrassment for Africa and certainly affected the performance of the teams. So the big hope now is that there will be steady and positive preparations for the five African representatives. Well, as the 2018 FIFA World Cup is getting closer, our main focus this week is on African talent and why it hasn't brought the continent success at the World Cup. African players have been praised for their natural talent for many, many years, but the continent is yet to get past the quarter-final stage of the World Cup. Well, here in Zimbabwe, a goalkeeper from Britain has just joined Premier League club Harare City. His name is Ryan Harrison. He's 32. He's played in England and in South Africa and has a lot of good things to say about African football. He spoke to my colleague Spencer Banda. I played in England, started my career in England. Uh, played for Swansea City for a long period, then moved out to the South African PSL. Um, played out there, played for Bidvest Vitz, Golden Arrows, um, Santos and PSL. Uh, I think I spent about seven or eight years now in South Africa yeah, and recent, recently relocated. Uh, here I am. So your perceptions of uh, African football, uh, the league, everything in general? Uh, you know, for me, and I said it, you know, I've had the same questions obviously in South Africa. The biggest difference for me is the technical ability of the players in Africa is, is second to none. Uh, it really is unbelievable. I mean, I played with the likes of Wayne Rooney in England. And the technical ability of the players here in Africa, Zim, South Africa, uh, surpasses his ability. Um, the difference is, is football education. 
uh, you know, the, the coaching at grassroots level in the UK and in Europe is by far and above better than what it is in Africa. Um, and that's the reason, that's the biggest difference between the national teams in the end, um, is, the, is the education from a young age of being taught how to play the game. You know, the decisions within within a structure of a formation, you know, your decision decision making on when to pass, when to shoot, when to cross, etc, etc. Um, those things are instilled in you uh, in Europe from a very, very young age, which, which is what makes the biggest difference in the end when you get to a professional level. Look, I think South Africa was very fortunate to, to have the World Cup. That really helped its infrastructure. I think without that, uh, it would be a lot worse off than it currently is. However, that infrastructure is there. So I think that's the biggest difference for me um, between Zim and, and SA is the, the actual infrastructure, you know, the grounds, the training grounds. Um, they're very good now um, due to the World Cup stadiums. And, you know, the majority of the teams play in those World Cup stadiums on a weekly basis. So that is the biggest difference. So that's goalkeeper Ryan Harrison. He's from Britain. He's just joined Premier League club Harare City here in Zimbabwe, having spent many years in South Africa. So Harrison has so much to say about the talent, in particular the technical ability of African players. And amazing there to hear him say that he's met African players who are more gifted than Wayne Rooney, but that football education is the problem. Well, Solomon, we've heard things like this so many times about the talent that African players possess. Firstly, do you agree with those comments that uh, players here in Africa have greater technical ability than those in Europe? Steve, I definitely agree so much. You know, when we talk about abilities, uh, technically, we're looking at natural abilities. That's what, for me, uh, is one of the main areas where African players are very much gifted with uh, greater technical abilities naturally. You know, it is something that, you know, God blessed Africa with. Young players in Europe need to at a very young age, begin to to be trained, you know, in in how to uh, how to do certain things, be educated, and you would see quite a lot of players in Europe who are not really gifted technically, uh, but they manage to succeed, you know, to have a very successful career. But in Africa, you see players who are very very gifted technically. Uh, we have a drawback that is we've not been able to coordinate all this together. Uh, you know, that's why we see Europe being able to coordinate all these individual technical abilities for each player in a team. From a very young age, again, you get taught that you have to really play together as a team. So it, it takes away the individual part of it uh, a bit. But African players, you know, concentrate a lot more on, on their individual abilities and, and exhibit that in a team instead of really looking at the team's ability. Right then. So, Solomon, then the question is uh, why Africa is not going further with these talented players. Uh, do you agree, as we heard in the interview, that football education is the problem? Yes, of course, there is a problem of football education. Uh, I think it's one of the major problems. It's not the only problem, but one of the major problems. Until you get educated on how to use these technical gifts as a team member instead of an individual, there's always going to be a problem with the team. The team is never going to be able to be consistent. Quite a lot of the, the North African teams actually uh, you know, have great football education. And that's why when we, when we watch them, we see a team playing. We don't see certain individuals playing. Uh, but if you look at West African teams or East African teams and Southern African teams also, you tend to see a standout individuals that are, that, that are, that are technically gifted. 
but because the football education is not there, uh, you know, they've not been able to, to use that technical gift to be able to coordinate and, and be able to be a part of the bigger team. Uh, you know, the individual need that education just so the team uh, could, could function properly. Yeah, sure. And uh, other other factors, because uh, I'd say that organization and administration is a key thing that's uh, really holding African football back. Yes, definitely. Africa has always had organizational problem and, and also administrative problem. Uh, it's a very, very key part of it. So this affects the team and this affects what the team hopes to uh, achieve at the end of the day. But it's not just uh, possible for you to be able to achieve that if you don't really get to a place where you uh, make sure the organization of games and teams uh, are okay, how you administer, uh, you know, the team is done in a very professional way, is done in a way that it brings some sort of security and also some sort of uh, uh, opportunity for the players to mentally concentrate on, on the games that they they, that they hope to play instead of worrying when they go to major tournaments like the World Cup. Yeah, and uh, that story we started the show with on the $2 million that uh, FIFA is advancing to Africa's World Cup representatives uh, will definitely be a boost. Uh, but uh, Solomon, with the World Cup around the corner, on the show next week we'll ask when an African team might win the World Cup. Uh, probably it won't be this year though, and you have to wonder when this great talent in Africa will be harnessed. Yeah, it's going to take quite a bit of time, Steve, for us to be able to see the the victory for any African team at the World Cup. Definitely not this year. I think with the way we are now currently, until we change and really bring in football education for uh, younger players from the ages of 17 and 20, from the under 17, under 20, uh, from the academies and schools and grassroots football, we're not going to see any sort of change. Uh, even administratively and also organizationally, if we don't change, we're not going to see any sort of change. You know, I would say it's going to take Africa another 20 years. <laughs> football is a, it's a composition of so many different factors and elements. And if we think we have the talent and that's, not, that's enough, uh, no, we're not going to be able to achieve anything. So it's, it's high time that we know what we, what we have and to appreciate that we have the talent. We have players who are technically gifted all across the continent different countries but how do we make sure we put this team together and give them the right environment atmosphere uh, to be able to uh, to be a winning team to be able to be a force to be reckoned with you know across the world we had never had any african team that that has been a force to be reckoned with you know where it has been consistent in the top five football countries in the world with all the talents that we have you know but we've not been able to put all this together and until we sit down and and ask the hard questions and put all this together we're always you know going to be uh, behind when it comes to really dominating uh, world football yeah, painful to hear, but uh, yeah, you're just uh, telling the truth there, I'd say. Thanks very much uh, to Solomon Ashams in South Africa. You can have your say on social media on the show this week as we ask, why is Africa's talent not taking us further? We heard the comments there from uh, Ryan Harrison, the British goalkeeper who's played in England, South Africa and now in Zimbabwe. So he believes the technical ability of African players is greater than that of European players. Uh, but Europe has had more success because of better football education in coaching and development. Why do you think that Africa is not going further with these talented players? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero.
Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, let's talk European football now, and the UEFA Champions League final will be played between Liverpool and Real Madrid. Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard joins me from the UK. And Adrian, neither Roma nor Bayern Munich were able to come back in the semi-final second legs, but uh, goodness, didn't they battle hard. Well, yes, Steve, they most certainly did, of course. But this was the Champions League semi-final. So with the Champions League title very much at stake and with both sides having lost their first leg ties, well, then neither Bayern nor Roma really had anything to lose by pushing forward as both teams had to score goals. And score goals they did. Bayern pushed Real all the way at the Bernabeu, needing a win after losing that first home leg 2-1. They almost did it, but in the end they had to settle for a 2-all draw after what was a quite thrilling match. The two goals there for Real's Karim Benzema steadying the ship. And afterwards some were saying that Real had been lucky perhaps, but let's look at the statistics. Real have now reached their 16th European Cup or Champions League final. So surely there's no luck in that And as for Roma, well, 5-2 down after their first leg against Liverpool, they produced some nervous moments for Jurgen Klopp's side. But it was Liverpool who marched forward to the final against Real Madrid in Kiev on the 26th of May. Sadio Mane's ninth Champions League goal of the campaign early on gave Liverpool the perfect start. And despite their best efforts, Roma couldn't quite overturn the deficit. So, despite Roma's 4-2 win on the night, Liverpool go through 7-6 on aggregate, and that's a record for the highest aggregate score in a Champions League semi-final, 13 goals. Uh, But for me, Steve, you know, the most amazing statistic is that in neither of those semi-final second legs, neither Cristiano Ronaldo for Real Madrid nor Mo Salah for Liverpool scored in those matches. So there were no goals for Salah there, but he has picked up another award as he was named to the Football Writers Association Footballer of the Year. Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne came second and Tottenham's Harry Kane was third. And now the 25-year-old Salah has scored 31 goals in 34 league appearances for Liverpool this season. And the Egypt star, who was the first African winner of this award, Also, if you remember, won the Professional Footballers Association Players Player of the Year Award back in April. Well, what a final we have to look forward to then later this month. Liverpool against Real Madrid in Kiev in the final of the UEFA Champions League. And Adrian, in the English Premier League, Manchester City using these last few games of the season to try and break records. They most certainly are, Steve, and uh, any thought that Manchester City might be taking their foot off the gas, so to speak, after winning the title a couple of weeks ago, well, they've been firmly squashed. Since confirming the title, City have shown no mercy to relegation-threatened Swansea and West Ham, winning 5-0 and 4-1 respectively. And last Sunday's win over West Ham took them past 100 goals for the season onto 93 points. Well, now their sights are set on beating Chelsea's record number of 95 points that was set in the 2004-05 season. 
and another record also held by Chelsea for the highest number of goals in a season. That was 103 goals back in 2009-10. And City are currently just one goal behind that on 102 and they've still got three games left to play. Currently, City also have the record for the highest positive goal difference. That's 76. Now, that's also remarkable because there's only one other team in the Premier League that has even scored more than 76 goals this season, let alone have a goal difference so high, and that's Liverpool. They've scored 80 goals so far, but with City this season, Steve, you just have to say it's simply a question of how many records they're going to break. And the relegation battle continues with Crystal Palace looking safe now as their Ivory Coast winger Wilfred Zaha, a player we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago, was on target last weekend. Indeed he was, Steve, and what a difference he makes to the team. Since returning from injury earlier in the season, he's helped Palace recover from that dreadful start to reach 38 points. And uh, with Palace now 11th in the table, that should be more than enough points in the bag to avoid relegation. Zaha scored the first in Palace's 5-0 hammering of Leicester City and that's their biggest ever win in the Premier League. There's talk now of Zaha's Palace colleague Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's on loan from Chelsea, remember, possibly being included in England's squad for the World Cup this summer. But there were also fans who were wondering that if Zaha hadn't switched his international allegiance to the Ivory Coast, he too may have been selected by England for the World Cup. He really has been that good. And in terms of relegation, if Palace are all but safe now, it doesn't look good for West Brom, Stoke or Southampton. But if Southampton can find just one win from their remaining fixtures against Everton, Swansea and Manchester City, they'll really put pressure on Huddersfield, whose last three games are really tough against Manchester City and Chelsea away and last game of the season at home against Arsenal. Yeah, still so much to play for at the bottom of the English Premier League. Thanks a lot to Adrian Barnard in the UK. Next on Planet Sport Football Africa, we turn to social media. Last week we reported on the story that Arsene Wenger is leaving Arsenal at the end of the season after almost 22 years at the North London club. In recent years, many Arsenal fans have wanted Wenger out after his failure to deliver titles or cup successes. But the question that we asked is how will the Gunners cope without him? Remember how Manchester United struggled when Sir Alex Ferguson left? So we asked for your thoughts on the topic. Will Arsenal actually be better off without Wenger? On Facebook, more Cisse in Naples in Italy says Arsenal need to give a proper chance to the next manager coming. It'll take time before he gets used to the system, but most importantly, let Arsenal appoint the right man who plays the same system that Arsenal play. And I think that with that, the players will cope very quickly. But in Zambia, Kunda Francis Piri disagrees. They'll struggle, says Kunda. It'll take two more seasons and the firing of a coach before they can lift a trophy. On WhatsApp in the Gambia, Abu Tejan Jalo says it will take time for Arsenal to be better off after the departure of Arsene Wenger. And Mohamed Krubali, also in the Gambia, agrees. The same will apply to Arsenal as to Manchester United, says Mohamed. They'll struggle more than United because after 22 years it's not easy to cope with losing a manager. Desmond Tunde Koka in Sierra Leone also thinks it will take time. 
Honestly, I think they will also go through a time like Manchester United did because it's going to be a transition period for the next coach. But the team will cope as a team and lots will be happening when stability comes in, says Desmond. Ishmael Saidu Kanu, also in Sierra Leone, also sees similarities with Manchester United. I believe they will also struggle as a team, just as United did when Ferguson left in 2013, says Ishmael. The fact is that Wenger has been with the team for over two decades and have someone to continue with his system would be difficult. Only with time will the players adapt to the system of the new coach. Musa Balde and the Gambia says it is going to be somehow difficult on the Arsenal side, but later things will be OK for them, bearing in mind that Wenger stays not improved the condition of the Gunners at all. So I think both the board and the players will be desperate to see some changes by next season. Paul in Nigeria thinks the change in coach would lead to better days ahead at the Emirates. Arsenal can fill the void with a good replacement, says Paul. Someone with even more shrewdness and technical know-how of the game will bring greater success. AIKOB in the Gambia sees good times ahead now for the Gunners. Arsenal's already been struggling under him for a long time now. Therefore, someone else is needed to come in and steady the club. Yes, Arsenal will be better off without Wenger. What if he died, says AIK? Doesn't mean the club would fold because Wenger is no more? Of course not. And a binner Steve Ijoma in Nigeria agrees. Arsenal will be a country mile better than they are now under Wenger, says Obina. Arsene has lost his mojo. He certainly doesn't have the Arsene ingenuity anymore. But Arsenal can only progress if they employ the services of a good manager like Joachim Love. Luis Enrique is not an option. And less experienced guys like Patrick Vieira should not be considered, says Obina. Manchester United struggled because a not-so-proven David Moyes replaced Sir Alex Ferguson's big shoes, but Arsenal will definitely cope if they send the right message of intent with their next manager. However, Mohamed in the Gambia is undecided. I think they might be better off with him and might not improve without him uh, due to the change of management, says Mohamed. As well as that, different coaches have different philosophies and a different style of play, so it's 50-50. But Tony Correa, also in the Gambia, sees a bright future for the Gunners, although it will take time. Yes, maybe in the first two or three seasons they'll struggle for sure, but I hope they get a perfect replacement for Wenger because legends are irreplaceable, just like what happened to Manchester United after Ferguson left, says Tony. And Steve in the Gambia agrees. Arsenal will definitely be good and strong without Wenger, says Steve, simply because they have good players at their disposal. Wenger's mentality now is too weak, but with a new manager, Arsenal will have a good mentality. And finally, Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone says simply, yes, the team will be more determined than previously. Well, thanks so much for all of those views there. This week on social media, why is Africa's talent not taking us further? Earlier we heard from Ryan Harrison, a British goalkeeper who's played in England, South Africa and now Zimbabwe. Like many others, Harrison believes the technical ability of African players is greater than that of European players, but that Europe has had more success because of better football education in coaching and development. Do you agree? Why do you think that Africa is not going further with all these talented players? 
You can post your comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, finally on the show for this week, as the English Premier League marks its 25th season, Stuart has put together for us a series on how the Premier League has grabbed the attention of the world, growing further as the most followed league around Africa and around the globe. This week, Stuart looks at the celebrity status of players and also how the English Premier League has become less and less English. Stuart starts by remembering the days in the 1960s when there was a modest maximum wage that footballers were entitled to rather than the staggering sums that most English Premier League players earn today. One reads stories of players in the 1950s and 60s travelling to games on a public bus with the fans, living in a house near the stadium. Today's Premier League player is a millionaire and he probably lives in a mansion in a gated estate. He probably drives a Porsche or a Bentley. He's an A-list celebrity. He's invited to film premieres and the like. Remember earlier this season, Sergio Aguero being involved in a car crash when he had flown from Manchester to Amsterdam in the Netherlands just to watch a concert, having chartered a private plane so that he could be back for training the next day. That's the lifestyle of the modern footballer. I remember Tim Howard, when he was the Manchester United goalkeeper, telling me that what he missed most after moving from America to Manchester was being able to go out for a coffee with his wife. Because even as an international football player in America, he was anonymous. In Manchester, his attempts to go and have a peaceful coffee with his wife were interrupted by a string of requests every time for autographs and selfies. Another big change is that the average Premier League player, to be honest, is foreign. During the first weekend of the Premier League, there were only 13 non-British to Irish players in the starting lineups. In recent years, both Arsenal and Chelsea have fielded teams without an English-born player. And just to develop this further with statistics, in the first season of the Premier League 92-93, 70% of starts were made by players qualified to play for England. By 2013, this had fallen to 32. So only one in three players in 2013, and I think that number is dropping all the time. And in fact, players from over 100 countries have played in the English Premier League over its 25 years. In the years before the formation of the Premier League, Every football league first division title had been won by a club with a British manager and in fact two-thirds of them had been English. But since the Premier League started, no English manager has succeeded in winning the Premier League title with his club. The two dominant managers in the Premier League have been Alex Ferguson, British but Scottish, not English, and Arsene Wenger, who of course is French. And at the time of putting this together, there are only six Premier League clubs whose manager is English. One has to put that caveat in because managers don't last very long in the modern era. And if we look at last season's league table, we had top of the table Chelsea with an Italian manager, second Tottenham with an Argentinian, third Manchester City, Spanish, fourth Liverpool, German, fifth Arsenal, French. Sixth, Manchester United, 
Portuguese manager. Seventh, Everton, Dutch. Eighth, Southampton, with a French manager. So where are the English managers? With the stakes being so high, there is a real sacking culture among managers. Former Manchester United manager Alex Ferguson famously said that the average housefly has a better life expectancy than a Premier League manager. Ferguson's experience, and that of Arsene Wenger, each spending more than 20 years at the club, is very much the exception. Currently, the average length of stay for a Premier League manager is 15 months. None of Swansea City's last three managers lasted a year. Francesco Guidelin, 278 days. Bob Bradley, less than three months. And Paul Clement, who lost his job towards the end of 2017, was just about two weeks short of completing one year. The Premier League is an outstanding league with strong clubs. Note this season, the ease with which its five representatives in the UEFA Champions League progressed through the group stages. It has consistently attracted global star players from around the world. Its financial status and success are beyond question. But it has changed the face of English football probably forever. Some of it is for the good of the game, but not all of it. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. And no doubt most fans around Africa and the world have enjoyed those changes as the glamour and excitement has grown in the Premier League, even if indeed it's not very English these days. So champions Manchester City play Huddersfield on Sunday. The big match of the weekend also on Sunday. That's Chelsea-Liverpool. The big game as far as England is concerned. But it's the El Clasico, the major attraction this weekend. Spanish champions Barcelona hosting Real Madrid on Sunday. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Adrian Barnard and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.